It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And this week, we have all kinds of magic in the air, and we're going to bring you a little bit of light with a little bit of dark. Because with Easter taking place this weekend, for show number 35, for the week of March 27th, 2013, we have all kinds of fun. And as I mentioned, Easter is here. We're going to get hippity-hoppity, we're going to color some eggs, and we're going to have all kinds of Disney fun and bring you a little bit of darkness as well. Because our special guest here this week is no stranger to voice acting work. That's right, when you think of Disney and you think of all the little animals out there, you think of Miko from Pocahontas. You also think of great films like Race to Witch Mountain and many other that aren't even Disney related, like Jack the Giant Slayer, the Smurfs, and the iconic horror icon, the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. Yes, we have the one and only John Kassir stopping in here this weekend to celebrate Easter, fun, and memories here at Disney On Demand for show number 35. That's right, John Kassir, great voice actor, best known as the Crypt Keeper, is going to stop in here this week and talk about his entire career, his upcoming projects, making those funny animal voices in Pocahontas, and what it takes to be a horror icon legend. In addition, we have the D-Team back. That's right, we have Lexi, our D-Team member from Down Under, as she's going to give us a little bit more about John Kassir, his background, and how he got to where he is today. We also have Jason back with The Vault, as he's going to dig deep into the library and bring you another Blu-ray and DVD review for you that's going to be one that you want to add to your collection, one that you want to sit down and share with the family. And in addition, we have all kinds of fun, including hot news off the D-Wire, all kinds of fun, looking for new D-Team members, and we are celebrating Easter here this week at Disney On Demand. That is right. Easter is here. The Easter Bunny is coming to town. And we have all kinds of fun as we're going to take you down memory lane with some of those vintage Disney Easter clips from the parks, the very special Easter Day Parade, and many other tidbits that you may recall from all the Easter time events at the Walt Disney World Resort. So all of you D-heads, Easter's here, I'm having fun, spring is in the air, we have John Kassir stopping in very soon here at the show, so I'm going to stop my rambling, so for this week, show number 35, for the week of March 27th, 2013... Let's sit back, relax, and take a trip down Main Street, USA. I hear bells I see crowds. I hear yells. I hear drums in the air. Oh, oh, oh. Cause I'm Christmas, I'm my best, and I'm 
your host, Joan London and Regis Philbin. Special guests, Dave Chappelle and Jim Brewer. Mickey and Minnie. Aladdin and Jasmine. Beauty and the Beast. The Little Mermaid. And the whole Disney gang. Catch all the Mouska fun with the TV premiere of the all-new Mickey Mania Parade. Go behind the scenes for the making of Disney's next animated feature, Pocahontas. Join Goofy and Max as they battle it out at Disney's newest water park, Blizzard Beach. Plus, all the color, fun, and fantasy of the happiest Easter parade ever. Straighten your bonnets and shine up all your shoes And hurry, there's no time to lose The Easter Bunny is coming to town today He's riding an engine instead of a sleigh Don't blink for even a second or he'll be gone he puffs in at quarter to dawn He'll be filling Easter baskets He'll be rolling eggs like mad Green in everything 
The Easter Bunny is coming to town today. Here's hoping he's hippity hopping your way. So get your brushes and paints, give him a hand. It's Easter throughout all the land. Hi, this is Dave Thomas. You're listening to Disney On Demand. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Walt Disney World Happy Easter Parade coming to you live from the Magic Kingdom in Florida. We've got lots more parade coming your way with Mickey and Minnie, the Little Mermaid, Ariel, and much, much more. Yes, and air traffic control has just issued a Poppins alert here. There's been a Mary sighting. <laughs> if there's a shift in the air over Main Street, it's got to be a magical feeling in the air. And there she is, Mary Poppins, dancing down Main Street. With her pal, Bert, of course. Oh, look at the little girl in a little Mary Poppins outfit. Is that a mini Mary. A mini Mary. And those dancing penguins in behind. Everybody dances here at Disney World, even me. <laughs> you hit this street and boom, your feet go nuts. It's something in the asphalt, I don't know. <laughs> and there's the pearly band. There were so many great songs out of this movie. Chim Chim Cherie, that was the one that won best song. Step in Time. My kid's favorite is Spoonful of Sugar, right? And Feed the Bird. Hey, look at there's a dancing chimney sweep. Yes, it's a dirty job, but... Someone's got to do it. It's Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mom. All right, all VD heads, so you tuned in to another magical installment here at Disney On Demand for the week of March 27th, 2013, show number 35. And as you've already noticed, we are celebrating Easter here at Disney On Demand with a little bit of light and also a little bit of dark as we're welcoming the horror icon the voice veteran, the man who can bring you such scary icons as the Crypt Keeper and such lovable characters as Miko in Pocahontas, John Kassir to the show. That's right, John is going to be stopping in very shortly here at Disney On Demand and talk about his entire career, voicing a variety of different pictures, including his latest in theaters, Jack the Giant Slayer and the iconic Crypt Keeper, and being part of such films as Pocahontas and many others. And John's going to be stopping in very shortly here at the show. We're also going to bring you a little bit of memory lane, uh, you know, going down that historical path of Disney's great Easter Day Parades. So there's going to be a lot of fun here this week here at the show as we're going to celebrate Easter and bring you all kinds of fun. So before I jump into this week's news hot off the D-wire, I'm going to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And you can always find us on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, our archives, and more. And you can also find us all over the internet on Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand and Facebook.com slash Disney Blue and that's B-L-U. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, AOL Instant Messenger, Skype, and many other places at Disney Blue. And like I said, that's B-L-U. You can always stay connected with the show on your Droid or mobile device with the Stitcher Radio app, and you can just search Disney On Demand right there. Or you can get our 100% free iPhone app 
Just search Diz Radio right there in the app store. So that's all the different ways you can stay connected. I got it out of my system. So you know what? Let's jump right into this week's show with news hot off the D-Wire. Now, the first thing that is jumping off the D-Wire right now is a longtime Disney editor, Norman Palmer, has passed away at age 94. Yes, Norman, as they call him, Stormy Palmer, worked at Disney for over 45 years and became closely associated with the studio's acclaimed True Life Adventure short series of documentaries that have been award-winning, everybody knows them, and loves them. Well, he has passed away this last week at age 94. Palmer also edited the Disney live-action films Ten Who Dared, The Legend of Lobo, The Incredible Journey, The Gnomobile, The Shaggy DA, and had almost two dozen credits on Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color and other TV shows from the 50s all the way through the early 80s. Now, the True Life Adventure Nature series have provided early production experiences and more, and he began his career with the True Life Adventure Nature films, and they provided an early production experience for Roy Disney, who began his career in the studio's editorial department and went on to become the studio's vice chairman and head of animation, and Palmer served as his mentor. Now, Stormy was one of the key players in creating the classic Disney True Life Adventure series. He was a true pioneer in the field of nature documentaries. Dave Bossett, producer and creative director of Walt Disney Animation Studios, has said this past week. Now, the True Life Adventure DVD collection is available, and he took over tens of thousands of feet of raw footage and was able to make a craft into something riveting, beautiful, and entertaining. He has also been a part of many Oscar award-winning films, including the 1952 Oscar-winning Waterbirds, where he used Frank Litz's Hungarian Rhapsody No. 2 to capture the mood and add entertainment value to the film. Now, he retired from Disney back in 1983, and he was born in 1918. Now, during World War II, Palmer worked with the famed director John Ford in the field photo branch of the U.S. Navy and edited films for Joint Chiefs of Staff in Washington. Now, this comes as sad news as, you know, part of the classic icons of Disney are slowly fading away. So let's bow our heads in a moment of silence, as now Norman Stormy Palmer has passed away at age 94. Now, continuing on on some upbeat news, as Disney is handing out grants to dozens of Central Florida groups. Now, the Walt Disney World Resort handed out more than $1.5 million in grants Wednesday to 59 Central Florida charities and school districts that inspire children's creativity, innovation, and encourage them to develop compassion for others and promote health and well-being of their families. Now, the annual Helping Kids Shrine Awards are expected to affect about 70,000 children in Orange, Seminole, Lake, and Polk counties. Now, the biggest checks of $100,000 each went to the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida and a gift for music. Now, other recipients that kids have gotten ready are readiness school programs, summer camps, drama classes, food, shelter, and counseling, and this included the Coalition for the Homeless of Central Florida, getting $75,000. Now, as they put it, Disney's Helping Kids Shrine grants recipients to share a vision to inspire youth in reaching their full potential. Now, they hope their investment helps them build a better future for children and all the local families and children in Central Florida. Now, this is great news for Disney. They're always giving back to, you know, a variety of different programs and charities and helping kids grow. Having the resort right there in Florida and giving back to the surrounding communities, you know, it truly is a great thing, and hopefully they can help these children move forward. Now, moving on from the parks, let's get back to Disney films. And how about Disney's Planes that is set to release very soon? Now, as they have released this last week, the Top Gun stars are reuniting for Disney's Planes that is going to be taking place this year. More than 25 years after Top Gun's Iceman and Goose 
are back in the air, or at least their voices are going to be, as Val Kilmer and Anthony Edwards, who co-starred with Tom Cruise in the iconic Reagan-era action film, have been announced to be joining the voice cast of Planes, the digitally animated feature from Disney to hit theaters August 9th. They'll be providing the voices of Bravo and Echo, a pair of brawny F-18 fighter jets, who are part of a team called the Jolly Wrenches. Now, it has been released recently that we've had a variety of people involved with this film, including Dane Cook. Now, the recently released teaser trailer for Planes revealed a few moments that clearly reference some of the high-flying stunt work in Top Gun that Val Kilmer and Edwards were eager to bring back to the screen for Top Gun magic once again. As they have put it, Anthony and I were such great rivals in Top Gun, we always had so much fun on the set, as Val Kilmer has reported once again, to Hollywood Online. So there's a lot of great things that are going to be involved with this. And, you know, come on, Top Gun, many of us who grew up in the 80s, we love that film. And, you know, it holds a great, great place in our hearts. I mean, it is good. Now, Disney's Planes that is getting released August 9th tells the story of Dusty, a spunky prop plane voiced by Dane Cook, who wants to become a racing champion, except that he has some trouble dealing with heights. In addition to Cook, Val Kilmer, and Edwards, Planes is going to feature an impressive voice cast, including John Cleese, Stacey Keach, Julia Louise Dreyfus, Cedric the Entertainer, Brad Garrett, Terry Hatcher, and Sinbad. Now, it is going to be released in 3D as well as 2D with a great Blu-ray release issue of Top Gun that has just recently happened. So come on, enjoy that before you enjoy Planes. Now, moving on from the big screen, let's get to Disney music. And we've been bringing you a variety of different things that are Disney music front. Well, Ken Bunt was promoted to president of Disney Music Group. Now, the 15-year veteran of the Mouse House's music division has overseen the group since January of 2012. Now, Disney has promoted Ken Bunt to president of the Disney Music Group, DMG. Now, a 15-year-old veteran of the Walt Disney Music Group, he has covered a variety of things from Hollywood Records, Walt Disney Records, as well as film and TV soundtracks for Disney, the Walt Disney Animation Studios, Pixar, and Marvel Studios as well, and now Lucasfilm. He has served as executive VP of the division since Bob Cavello retired in January of 2012, and now he has officially been promoted. Now, their roster has a variety of artists from Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Lucy Hale, ZZ Ward, Queen and Grace Potter and the Nocturnals, and many others, including Bridget Medler and R5. Now, he has started his career at Rick Rubin's Deaf American Recordings way back in 1998 focusing mostly on the label and the group's digital strategy. Well, now he has launched the careers of Jonas Brothers, Gomez, and more, and he is officially the president of the Disney Music Group, DMG. Now, getting back to the parks once again, we couldn't let it go. How about some ridiculous news? And we always hear of people getting, you know, settlements for things that they don't even really need settlements for, or people filing suits against Disney just to get some cash. Well, how about a man awarded $8,000 after being stuck on Disney's Small World. Yes, now we've all been stuck on Disney's Small World. How many of us know the song? It's a small world, right? We sing it over and over again. We all have the story of getting stuck somewhere on that attraction. Well, an attorney has said that a disabled man was awarded $8,000 by Disneyland after It's a Small World broke down, stranding him for a half hour. Only 30 minutes. I myself have been stuck on that ride for over an hour while the theme song played continuously. Now, the lawyer said that Jose Martinez didn't medically stabilize for three hours after the ride broke down in 2009. Now, Disneyland spokeswoman Susie Brown said that the Anaheim theme park believes it provided appropriate assistance during the incident, and it is disappointed that the court did not fully agree. Now, his lawyer has said that he uses a wheelchair, suffers from panic attacks, and high blood pressure, which was aggravated by a need to urinate. 
You know what? All of us have had to do that. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is the most idiotic, ridiculous award I've ever heard. You know what? All right, well, my kid had to use the restroom last time we were at the Disney parks last year, and you know what? We were stuck on Peter Pan's flight. You know what? Should I go ahead and sue Disney because my son really had to go to the bathroom? This is ridiculous, and I know you agree with me on this. Well, he was ordered $8,000, half of the award, for his pain and suffering, and the rest is for a violation of disability law that Disney is basically going along with. I just think this is ridiculous, and I'm sure you all can agree. Now, moving back to how about somebody using their money for a good thing, how about a 10-year-old Kingston boy honored for donating Disney trips to the kin of fallen soldiers? Now, last May, Good Morning America co-host Robin Roberts offered Brendan Haas a gift that most 9-year-olds would jump at, an all-expense-paid trip to Walt Disney World. But Brendan, appearing on live national television, declined the offer. We can't accept a trip to Disney, but we have many more people who would like to have an all-expenses-paid trip, Brendan of Kingston had said. Now, Brendan redirected the TV show's gift, donating it to a family of a fallen soldier from Arizona. Now, the reason Brendan was on Good Morning America in the first place was because he had already donated a Disney vacation to a military family in Duxbury as part of an initiative called A Soldier for a Soldier. For his generosity, the South Shore Community Action Council recognized Brendan, now 10, at its annual Local Heroes Awards ceremony. Now, those who know Brendan, a fourth grader from Kingston, as they have put it, he has been a great inspiration for many people, and he doesn't want the recognition. He gets red-faced and embarrassed when they bring it up, and they said they like to bring it up because he is a great role model, but he says he is just doing a good deed. Now, Melissa Haas, Brendan's mother, said that Brendan came up with the idea for a soldier for a soldier last February when his father, Eric, told him about one red paperclip project. Now, the project is named after a man in 2005 that started a red paperclip that traded all the way up to a new house. Brendan liked the concept so much that he started a trading plan of his own, but he replaced the paperclip with a toy soldier and designed the benefactor of families of fallen soldiers. So in several months, he got enough recognition that on Memorial Day, he held a drawing and drew the names of 16 military families from across the U.S. Now, this is great. I mean, this is fantastic. It's a great way to give back. And how, you know, seriously, we have a guy who's fighting for an $8,000 award claim from Disney, but we have a 10-year-old who is giving away free trips to those who most need it. I think this is fantastic. It is definitely something that can give you inspiration for everybody, and we should all just take a step from this as well. Now, continuing on with news, I'm going to try to keep it brief. We have a lot of fun going on here. How about something for all of you in Hawaii, all of you D-heads? And Disney's Lion King is returning to Hawaii next year. Disney Theatrical Productions is going to be returning to Hawaii in January after an eight-week run of The Lion King once again. Yes, when Lion King premiered in Hawaii in 2007, about 180,000 people came out to the event and spent over $45 million. Now, Kurt Cadwell said that this production, which is shorter, is expected to be attended by 120,000 people who collectively spend an estimated $30 million. Now, this is great. And as they have put it, the vice president of Domestic Disney Theatrical Productions said, Oceans are not barriers, and we're bringing entertainment and excellence to those who desire quality in productions. So all of you in Hawaii, get ready, because you know what? It is coming your way. Now, staying on an upbeat, many of you are very familiar with the Girl Meets World spinoff that is coming to Disney Channel, and we are all excited about this. We've been bringing you reports and updates. You follow our Twitter feeds, and we do it as well. Well, how about Mr. Feeney 
is going to be coming to Girl Meets World. Yes, he is going to be in the pilot episode. There has been no guarantee if he's going to be throughout the entire series or not, but we can all look down, look excited, get a little giddy inside as our favorite mentor, our guidance counselor, our principal, and the guy who followed us even to college, Mr. Feeney, is going to be back for the Girl Meets World pilot episode. Let's get ready for this one. So all of you D-heads, with that, I'm going to leave you once again in the good hands of our show here this week. We have lots more Easter fun on the horizon, so you can get to coloring those eggs, and we're going to get that much closer to our special guest, the raccoon, the Miko, the one from Pocahontas, including the dark and iconic Crypt Keeper, John Kassir, stopping in here very shortly. So before I do that, before I let you go and release the reins to a little bit of a break of my rambling, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is sponsored by Pixie Vacations, and the agents at Pixie Vacations specialize in all Disney destinations, whether you want to go to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, or set sail on a Disney cruise or take part in Adventures by Disney. Pixie Vacations is an authorized Disney vacation planner with the most knowledgeable and experienced agents who help you get the best Disney vacation ever. You can always contact them directly at pixievacations.com or you can call them at 678-815-1584. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to release the reins, get something to drink here, and uh, prep up all the colors here on the table as I'm going to dye some eggs with the kids here after we're done in the studios here this week. Be right back, all of you D-heads. In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap, the job's a game. And every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake, a lark, a spree. It's very clear to see that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down, medicine go down, just a spoonful. Sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. A robin feathering his nest has very little time to rest while gathering his bits of twine and twig. Though quite intent in his pursuit, he has a merry tune to toot. He knows a song will move the job along. Go down, the medicine go down, medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way.
the nectar from the flowers to the comb, never tire of ever buzzing to and fro. Because they take a little nip from every flower that they sip, and hence, and hence, they find, they find, their task is not a Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Hi, I'm Vicki. Where's the world's greatest resort? Watch this, then stay tuned. I'll be back in a minute with a free offer. Daddy's got a new job. Maybe he and mom forgot what childhood means. I'll never meet Mickey Mouse. Maybe we'll go. Hey, little girl, do you think that no one cares about you? Uh uh. Daddy's working. That's what you think. Hi again. Right now, rooms are available in the famous Walt Disney World Resort hotels. Call this toll-free number, and we'll show you more in this 28-page vacation magazine, yours free. It's filled with the rooms, recreation, and fantasy of the world's greatest resort. Call this toll-free number now. The rooms, the fun, and your free magazine are waiting. And we are back at the Walt Disney World Happy Easter Parade. And happy is right because nothing is going to get in the way of the neat stuff that's coming up, Joan. That's for sure. Let us check up, though, right now on the Easter Bunny's favorite carrot top. That would be Dady Ross. Hey, how's it going, Joan and Reed? I'm having a great time down here. You guys having fun, too? Good. See, we're on Main Street looking for the best place to watch the parade. What's your name, sir? Don Miller. And where are you from? We're East New Jersey. What do you think of the parade? Great, awesome. This little guy right here, what's your name? Ryan Miller. Ryan, what have you seen so far at the parade? Horses and little mermaids. Can I have an Easter hug, buddy? Does this guy look cool or what? Let's keep going. Come on down here. How are you, everybody? Uh, let's see. What's your name? Hey. And what's your name? Ryan. Ryan, what do you think of the parade so far? Just good? Yeah. I mean, this view's not bad, right? You're front row. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I like you guys. I mean, you got nice hats on. Look at that hat. That's beautiful. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these guys for the best seat in the house. Better than Regis and better than Joan's seat. What do you think? Okay. All right, guys. Grab my hand. Grab your parents' hand, your grandparents' hand. We are going to the best seat in the house. Back to you, Joan and Regis. Let's go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He didn't tell us where he was going. I mean... 
Who knows where he's likely to turn up? I don't know. He's just like gone off somewhere with that family. Isn't it like J.D. to always just be <laughs> full of surprises?
John, tie off this end. John? John? What are you doing up there? Getting a better look. Food. Well, sort of. You like it, eh? Well, try eating it for four months straight. You got a friend back there? Hey, what? What? <laughs> Watch out! Look out! John! You better get down here! The governor's coming ashore! All right, all right. I'm leaving. This is Ken Page, and I'm the voice of Oogie Boogie. And I want you to know you're listening to Disney On Demand. Alright all of you D-heads, so I'm back once again and I hope you're enjoying show number 35 as we're celebrating Easter and we're awaiting for the voice actor icon, John Kassir, to be stopping in very shortly here at the show and uh, I hope you enjoyed a little bit of voice acting uh, as we had the Tokyo Disneyland Easter celebration here just recently. So I hope you enjoyed that cut before you heard me once again. Uh, you know, Some of you are probably like, what is this? Well, that's from Tokyo Disneyland and their Easter Wonderland celebration they throw to celebrate Easter at Tokyo Disneyland. I hope you enjoyed that one there, all of you D-heads. So, we have a lot of things in the wings. We have Lexi, our D-team member from Down Under, stopping in very shortly. Jason with the vault. All kinds of fun. So, I'm going to jump right back into some Disney news here, hot off the D-wire. And how about where you can run once again as Disney World is adding a 10K Dopey Challenge to the expanded marathon weekend. If you thought Goofy's Race and a Half Challenge was crazy, running both Disney's Marathon and Half Marathon, Things are about to get dopey. In 2014, the Disney Marathon Weekend, January 8th through the 12th, is going to expand to five days and include a 10K along with the Family Fun Run 5K and the Disney Half Marathon. Now, the Disney Marathon and Goofy's Race and Half Challenge are all fun. Everybody loves it. There's a lot of great people out there who are always running. You can always follow Run Disney to get more on all this. But now you can add all those together and run them and you have the dopey challenge yes you run all four events in successive days which equals 48.6 miles to earn six medals now in years past the walt disney world half marathon would run saturday followed by the walt disney world marathon on sunday now runners who accomplished both ran the goofy race the dopey challenge with all four for 48.6 miles 
I mean, that's a lot for me. I mean, I can do some running. I've run in a couple of Disney marathons, but, but this one is going to be crazy. If you want to find out more about this, you know, I'm not going to elaborate too much more, but you can always visit rundisney.com to get more information about this. Now, getting back to some more downer news, we already talked about the guy getting $8,000 because he had to go to the bathroom while stuck on Small World. Well, how about producer of Disney's Lone Ranger? Yes, the new Johnny Depp film that is coming out has been fined over a crew member's death. Now, not too long ago, we reported that it was a tragedy on the set, had passed away due to a tragedy, but state regulators have fined a producer of the upcoming Walt Disney Studios movie, The Lone Ranger, more than $60,000, citing numerous safety violations in connection with the crew member who died at the movie ranch. Now, a 48-year-old diver drowned in September while cleaning a water tank in preparation for shooting an underwater scene at the Pulsa Rosa Ranch in northern Los Angeles County. Now, after investigation, California's Division of Occupational Safety and Health cited Silver Bowl Productions for various violations of the state labor code stemming from fatalities, according to a report issued last Wednesday. Now, this is something where they haven't released too much more about it, but apparently there was something that had to do with the safety. I mean, I don't know enough about cleaning pools underwater or who knows what. I do mourn the loss of this guy. He's doing his job and, you know, his family, and now they're out. But they are getting cited over $60,000 in fines and more for this death. And the Disney's Lone Ranger is coming out very soon. And I know we're all excited for that. And hopefully at the end of the film or the beginning, they do have a in memory of, you know, just to, you know, make things a little bit better. All right, D-Head, so I've been giving you a lot of news here this week, and we have a lot more fun here this week at the show, but I'm not going to talk too much longer, but I do want to give you some of the DVDs and Blu-rays that you want to keep an eye out for, and those are coming up very soon, and kicking off in May, we have Doc McStuffins, Time for Your Checkup, the Disney Mickey Mouse Clubhouse Quest for the Crystal Mickey, and Howl's Moving Castle. Now, those are coming up in May, but... June is the one where I am excited because as we've already seen, Disney has been releasing Mulan, Hunchback of Notre Dame, a lot of these as two movie packs with part one and part two as part of your Blu-rays. We actually just had Paul Kandel who plays Clopin in Hunchback of Notre Dame last week here at show number 34. But coming up in June, we have Atlantis, The Lost Empire getting a Blu-ray release, the Lilo and Stitch two movie collection, and The Emperor's New Groove to movie collection. So you're going to want to set your sights on this one. Get ready for it because it is coming up where you can add these to your collection. They have Fast Track these, they had Brother Bear Out, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Pocahontas, and now we have Atlantis, Lilo and Stitch, and The Emperor's New Groove getting releases as well. I'm excited for this, and I'm sure Jason is going to be covering these in the vault. So, all of you D-heads, before I let you go, I do want to put a call out there once again for D-team members. If you want to be part of the D-team and part of the crew, definitely contact us. We're looking for people to cover a variety of different segments, show parts, bloggers, and more. So, if you want to become part of the D-team, visit our website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z radio.com. Shoot us an email, drop us a line. You don't have to have any broadcast uh, you know, knowledge or even blogging knowledge, just a love of Disney. So all VD heads, I'm going to leave it right there this week. You know, there's a lot of fun things on the horizon. We have John Kassir stopping in very shortly here at the show. So there's a lot of fun. So I'm going to release the reins to Lexi, our D-team member from Down Under. And she's going to give you a little bit more about our special guest here this week, John Kassir, as well as Jason and more coming up very soon. So we're going to keep with the light, keep with the Easter celebration, keep with the fun. And when I come back, you're going to hear me talking with the one and only Crypt Keeper himself, Miko from Pocahontas, Crazy Smurf, and more, John Kassir. So hang on to your horses, continue to dye those eggs, and get ready for the Easter Bunny, 
I'll be back shortly, and we'll let Lexi take the reins right now. Be right back, all VG heads. South Sea Splendor at Walt Disney World, Disney's Polynesian Resort. And with that, we say aloha and happy Easter. That kind of puts you in the mood, doesn't it, for a luau? Luau, hula dances, I love all that stuff. You know, the way they talk they with talk their with hands. Yeah. yeah. Cut, stretch, and get <laughs> off the set. I think I've seen that dance <laughs> before. Have. But wait, wait, I'm getting a JD alert from Brian, and it's coming, I think, from somewhere around the castle. The castle? Yeah. The castle? Look it up here. Look at this, JD. He took that family all the way up in the castle. Okay, so as usual, JD has weaseled the best seat in the house, but I'm happy to be here down to earth with all my friends here. How you doing? Is this like the best Easter or what? Okay. What's your name, sweetie? Jennifer. Jennifer, where are you from? Florida. Are you having the best time? Yeah. What's your favorite ride? Oh, that's so very cool. What's your name, CP? Michael. Michael, and what's your favorite ride? Splash Mountain. Oh, okay, it's a big Splash Mountain. What about the Tower of Terror, you guys? How cool is that? Yay! Okay. Yay! So, sweetie, why what, honey? I like the doo-doo's going fast. He likes the doo-doo's going fast. That's right, absolutely. Can I have a kiss, sweetie? Oh, thanks. Happy Easter, you guys. Happy Easter, everybody. Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. Way out there on the triple R, yippee-yay, yippee-yo, the horses are the best by far, yippee-yay, yippee-yo. So saddle up, boys, and saddle up well, and listen to the story that we have to tell. Yippee-yay, yippee-yay, yippee-yo. Spin is a cowboy, yes siree. Yippee-yay, yippee-yo, the best ever seen by you or me. When he jumps in the saddle, what a sight to see The pony's tail's where his head should be Yippee-yay, yippee-yay, yippee-oh Marty sure was a pain in the neck Yippee-yay, yippee-oh A bussy nearly made a wreck Yippee-yay, yippee-oh No telling what he might have been But he sure swell now, cause he's just like spin Yippee-yay, yippee-yay, yippee-oh down to the swimming hole yippee-yay yippee-oh we take along a fishing pole yippee-yay yippee-oh if the fish won't bite and the weather's hot the last one in is a you-know-what yippee-yay yippee-yay yippee-oh we're gonna have a rodeo yippee-yay yippee-oh grab hold that horn and let her go yippee-yay yippee-oh so rope and throw and tie The day of parting now draws near. Yippee! Yippee! 
forget the On demand. This is Corey Burton saying, please keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the headphones at all times. Thank you. Places, everybody. This is a tape. What is that? This week's special guest is a voice actor that I know you all love, John Kassir. He has had such a fabulous career and is the voice of a number of our favourite animated characters. Most famously, John lent his voice to The Crypt Keeper in HBO's Tales from the Crypt. His role on the show has been compared to Rod Sterling's narrator position for the Twilight Zone series. So, you know the Crypt Keeper is an incredibly important and vivid character to watch. Not only is John a talented voice actor, but he is also a screen actor and a stand-up comedian too. He certainly is one versatile and funny man. Disney sure is lucky to have him as a part of the Disney family. John was born in Baltimore, and I believe that he was an avid comic book collector growing up. We can see where his love for all things animation came from. I think that's pretty special. So, we know John's voice from the Crypt Keeper. Interestingly, he also recorded the voice for the Jekyll and Hyde Club in New York. I always love it when voice actors keep their character consistent across mediums, like movies, games, rides, etc. I feel that it really adds to the believability and all-around awesomeness of the character. John has featured his voice in a number of animated series and movies. For one, he replaced Charles Adler as the voice of Buster Bunny from the animated series Toontown Adventures back in 1990. Okay, here is just a brief list of John's fantastic voice contributions. I adore this one. The cheeky raccoon Miko in Pocahontas, 1995. Then Ray Ramundo Rocket from the cool teen animated series, Rocket Power. Also, in 2011, John voiced Crazy Smurf in the film The Smurfs, alongside Katy Perry, of course. John has also contributed his voice to The Wild Thornberries, Catdog, The Simpsons, and so many more beloved animated series. I can't possibly get through them all here. John has also worked in the video game industry, lending his voice to so many cool and fun gaming characters. John's voice was in Tack in the Power of Juju video game series, and more recently he was in the Spyro game, Skylanders Spyro Adventure. John also voiced Ghost Roaster in the Skylands Giants. Wow, what a non-stop career. That's so awesome and definitely a passion to be admired. Away from animation, 
John is famous for his off-Broadway performance of the character Ralph in the show Reefer Madness, as well as its hit film adaptation. That's pretty cool. It's wonderful that this member of the Disney family has been recognised for his talents. For his performance in The Three Days Naked from the Waist Down, he was nominated for both a Drama Desk and an Outer Critics Circle Award. Wow. We all remember The Amanda Show, right? Well, John appeared as a number of kooky and outrageous characters in Season 1. I think it's incredible that our special guest is so willing to contribute to such a vast array of entertainment worlds. We are so lucky to have him with us this week. Also on the silver screen, John played the Bulgarian kicker for seven years in the HBO comedy series First and Ten. What a commitment to the team. Here is something that I find cool. John had his own Pee Wee Herman style show in 1997 called Johnny Time. <laughs> For all you Trekkies out there, get excited because John also appeared on Star Trek Voyager in 2000, playing the role of Gar in the episode Critical Care. John certainly is a busy man. He has appeared in over a dozen feature films, starred in eight TV pilots, and guest starred in dozens of TV series in both comic and dramatic roles. That is awesome. These TV movies include The Three Stooges and The Monster Mash. Here is something else interesting. John rose to fame in Ed McMahon's show Star Search in 1994. He was the comedy champion. Now, we don't have this show down in Australia, but I'm sure it's a blast to watch. And what an achievement! Now, John is also a brilliant stand-up comedian. His talents seem endless. He has participated in countless comedy festivals and tours. And get this, he even improvised with none other than Mr. Robin Williams. I can only imagine the rush he must have gotten from that rare and wonderful experience. Thank you so much, John Kassir. Without you, Disney, and well, the whole world of animation would not be anywhere near as colourful. You are a true talent to be admired. My daughter. Wingapo, father. Seeing you gives me great joy. I'm so glad you've come home safely. Come with me. We have much to talk about. I want to hear everything you've been doing. Father, for many nights now, I've been having a very strange dream. I think it's telling me something's about to happen. Something exciting. Yes, something exciting is about to happen. Really? What is it? Kokuum has asked to seek your hand in marriage. Marry Kokuum? <laughs> I told him it would make my heart sore. But he's so... Serious. My daughter, Kokuam will make a fine husband. He is loyal and strong and will build you a good house with sturdy walls. With him, you will be safe from harm. Father, I think my dream is pointing me down another path. This is the right path for you. But why can't I choose...
Hey, D-heads, when you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. And have a magical day. Camera! Action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest! Alright, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in once again to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And with us here this week, we have somebody that is no stranger to voice acting, uh, you know, comedian, voice actor, most notably known as the Crypt Keeper. We have none other than John Kassir with us here this week. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hello, kiddies. <laughs> How you guys doing? Oh, uh, we are doing great. You know, I guess how fitting than having the yin and the yang, you know, the dark and the light with uh, Disney and the Crypt Keeper, uh, Mesh and Worlds there. Yeah, I worked a lot for Disney. I really enjoy doing uh, a lot of stuff for Disney. Um, not only some live action stuff like Race to Witch Mountain, but also um, uh, a lot of cartoon voices. Um, I've, I've done a number of animals, funny enough, over the years. Um most recently on Monster, Monsters University, but um, Monsters U, the follow-up to Monsters, Inc., um, doing some voices on that. But um, uh, a lot of people don't know that I was the uh, <clears throat> Miko, the raccoon in Pocahontas, which was, you know, a fun kind of thing to, uh, to wind up doing. I remember going over to Disney to audition, and in the waiting room, and they go, are you ready to come in, John, and audition? I was like, well, I haven't seen any copy. And they're like, well, there is no copy. And, I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, usually, like, a lot of times the animals talk in the movies, Disney movies. Well, this one, obviously, they wanted real raccoon noises. And where <laughs> I live, I live in the mountains, uh, in the woods, and there's a lot of raccoons. So, um, you know, I dug down there and found my, uh, connected with my inner raccoon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wound up uh, popping out uh, Nico the raccoon. So uh, Disney's uh, Disney's uh, one of the 
definitely one of the more uh, fun studios I've got to work with over the years. Well, you know, and doing those kind of voices and, you know, like you said, channeling your inner raccoon, I guess, you know, going way back, I guess, what led you down the path of doing voice acting? Because, you know, it is hard work. It definitely is fun. Um, but at the same time, it, it takes a lot of talent, which you have. So I guess, uh, I guess, is that something that you've always wanted to pursue or were you making noises in school and driving teachers nuts? Uh, how did it come about? Well, um, definitely, uh, I was dys- dyslexic, dyslexic, same game, sad. I was dyslexic as a kid, um, still am as an adult, but uh, I have learned to overcome most of those uh, problems, but um, didn't really know what that was back then, and um, so I didn't really have a <clears throat> a good time uh, going doing the, the normal route in school um, in terms of uh, reading and writing and memorizing and that kind of stuff, and there were certain teachers that could see that I was... Um, uh, proficient in getting up in front of the class and, and orally speaking and, you know, they'd have me read, um, you know, uh, perform, uh, poetry, you know, characters in the poetry readings and stuff like that in front of class and I would just start doing all the school plays and that kind of thing. And by the time I was in high school, uh, I, my, my good buddy Fred Smythe and I used to, do the, uh, a lot of the morning announcements where we would do all kinds of special events and stuff and we would imitate the teachers and we would, um, do the Beatles and, you know, you know, the following morning announcement brought to you by a grant from the Mobile Corporation and we would, uh, <laughs> do those kind of things. That was kind of like my, uh, beginning in terms of, uh, doing, uh, you know, actually doing voice acting. Um, I studied, uh, went to college and studied to become a theater actor, moved to New York, became a theater actor, worked uh, in New York, and made my way into the television industry by doing stand-up comedy um, in an odd way. I was doing a play off-Broadway <clears throat> about stand-up comedians, and uh, a show called Star Search saw me um, performing... Uh, in the play, and they asked me to come on the show. It was a brand new show at that time. They asked me to come on and, and uh, be a stand-up comedian on the show. And I said, you know, I'm not really a stand-up comic. I'm just playing this in, uh, part in the play. And they said, well, you can win $100,000. I went, crap, I'll do it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I went on the show, and uh, I kept winning. And, and my first instinct uh, to do stand-up for the show was to do voices and characters, and I would do, uh, you know, The Wizard of Oz in two minutes. As mayor of the Munchkin City in the county of the land of Oz. And I would do all these different characters and, and that kind of thing in my act. And uh, wound up beating Rosie O'Donnell in the semifinals and Sinbad in the finals and winning $100,000, and all of a sudden... My agents and you know, uh, started trying to book me op- as an opening act for all these big acts in Vegas and that kind of thing. And um, I remember on the show, they had a, uh, Tom Jones, uh, the singer Tom Jones, uh, was a guest and, and announced that I was going to open for him in Vegas. And I'm sitting backstage, everybody's congratulating me, and I'm like, I have no act. How am I going to do this, you know? <laughs> So uh, I got myself into the clubs and started working up an act. And again, um, you know, because I didn't really have jokes and that kind of material, a lot of my act was doing characters and 
wound up creating an act based on uh, a guy who was addicted to television and kind of making fun of pop culture through our television. <clears throat> now we, we grew up through television. And um, uh, and I started getting asked to do different kinds of uh, parts that, that, you know, on camera and off camera that um, needed accents and different kinds of voices and characters and that kind of thing. And uh, The Crypt Keeper was one of the first ones that I landed for HBO. And, of course, once I landed that role, it was so high profile. I, you know, I was uh, able to secure the best best voiceover agent uh, in Hollywood, um, at D, which is now DPN. And um, the rest was, was history. Well, you know, and like you said, I mean, you know, going on Star Search, which I remember seeing Star Search, uh, I was a lot younger, uh, younger child then, but I still remember Star Search and all those shows and, um, you know, and leading down that career in The Crypt Keeper, like you said, you know, uh, it, it was one of those things where it was so high profile. It was a big hit on HBO and The Crypt Keeper still has a huge, large following now. Um, you can see it. On- it's got a bigger following than it ever had with it playing on FearNet and, um, I don't know how old you are, but kids, uh, you know, kids that not only saw me on, on Star Search, but watched Tales from the Crypt, but it originally came out on HBO. Um, you know, they would sneak down and watch it or their parents would include them. It was their introduction to horror. So it's very big with that, with that group of people who, um, who love horror and people who don't love horror. It was, um, you know, the thing that turned people onto horror back in that time. So now with the show on Fearnet and, um, and, you know, horror conventions and that kind of thing where people show up to meet you, that kind of thing, I've found that it has a bigger audience than it ever had, which is kind of exciting. Well, you know, and like you said, you know, people, that was your introduction. I mean, I clearly remember going downstairs watching it, and that was back when, uh, HBO had a little control box on the back of the TV to flip it to channel three and watch HBO. So I clearly remember those days. Um, you know, and like you said, you know, being on FearNet and the conventions and things like that. I mean, um, is it overwhelming now when you go to these and you realize how many people just want to come up and meet you and they love the Crypt Keeper? And is it that kind of thing where it, it just never gets old because, you know, you realize, wow, um, you know, I've made this, I guess, this icon in history now that's that's going to go down in horror history with Vincent Price and all the classics. Well, I certainly feel, uh, thank you for putting me in that category. That's amazing. Uh, I, I actually was able to give uh, Vincent Price his, his um, Horror Hall of Fame award uh, some years ago with Robert England. We did a uh, the Horror Hall of Fame awards that were televised one, that year. Um, but, um, you know, I, in terms of all that, I feel grateful to have a fan base that would follow. Uh, you know, as an actor, you you just want to work, but um, you start out that way. And then, of course, if you're fortunate enough to have any kind of project that has a um, any kind of fan base, let alone a rabid fan base that that really wants uh, um, that really appreciates the characters and the projects that you're involved with. I mean, every project you work on, you hope will have some kind of cachet or will, will, will be attractive to the audience and be around for a while. And the, the reality is, is that so few do. Um, so, um, you know, in an actor's career to have, you know, uh, you know, just one or two projects that do that is an amazing thing. And I've been fortunate to be, you know, involved in a number of big projects. 
um, including my current project, Jack the Giant Slayer, which, uh, pun intended, is a big project. Um, but, um, you know, Tales from the Crypt certainly, like you said, is iconic in, in, in that genre. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to work on Voyager and uh, Star Trek Voyager and, and be a, a very tiny part of a huge franchise like Star Trek um, and that kind of thing. And it's it's just really fun to be a part of that as an actor. Um, it is part of our culture today through television and film. Um, and it has certainly left an, uh, an impression on all of us uh, that will you know, continue to, to develop as we go along. They're still doing Star Trek movies. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, and, uh, you know, I guess moving on from horror, of course, you know, and the Crypt Keeper and all those fun things, and, you know, it's a part of you that's never going to go away, but, you know, the yin and yang of things and going to the lighter side and, you know, doing a variety of other voices that were a lot lighter, like you said, um, you know, moving forward, you did a lot for Disney, of course, and Monster University, which is the prequel to Monsters, Inc. I mean, how is it working on something like that where it's totally the opposite end of the spectrum yet every little girl and boy out there knows the characters they know the worlds of monsters inc well it's you know as an actor being a voice actor can be really liberating and people often ask me what the difference is between on-camera acting and voice acting obviously technically it's different because you, you know you're just using your voice which is some ways liberating, some ways harder. I mean, it's harder in that you have to visualize everything while you're doing it, and um, and bring that to life without the use of your your body and your face and people seeing what you're doing and that kind of thing. And you kind of leave that up to the geniuses that 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 animate it afterwards. Um, but the liberating part of it is you get to play things that you're not you don't normally get to play just because you can do it with your voice. Um, you know, I'm I'm only a uh, you know, five eight and uh, a funny kind of comic, physically kind of fun. Uh, you know, a, a comic actor. I don't get to play a lot of villains or um, little animals or creatures or that kind of thing on camera. But as a voiceover artist, I can play anything that my voice can do. So um, that's a lot of fun, and so it's it's fun to be able to do stuff that kids would love, and then to, to do something as creepy as Tales from the Crypt or. Uh, you know, um, using those kind of skills, um, you know, the, my, my current project, Jack the Giant Slayer, was fun because it was motion capture, which a lot of us know what that is now, um, where you're captured, as in the movie Avatar, you're captured um, virtually as well as uh, vocally and visually at the same time so that they can plug your image and everything that you've done into a computer and add the costumes and the makeup um, and change your size and everything in the computer so that your performance is all there just as if you were acting on screen. But they've, rather than being stuck in makeup or them having to do some kind of effect where they make you bigger, um, you know, uh, while you're shooting it or whatever, it's it's done in post on uh, um, in the computers, and uh, and the so it's it's it calls on everything that you do um, because when you're performing in this big gray room with a bunch of cameras and stuff, you don't have the sets and the costumes and all that stuff. So in voiceover, it's kind of like that. You have to visualize all of it 
but then you're physically acting it out, so you're kind of using pantomime and you're using all your voice talents and you're using your your darkest and deepest uh, um, acting talents as well. So um, that's kind of fun uh, to see that come out. Definitely. Film is a collaborative art anyway in that it uses everybody. You know, I mean, they, the music is important and the way it's shot is important and the sound and the and the director puts all these things together and you're a small part of it um, as an actor. Uh, but then when your whole character is collaborative as well, that's that's kind of really exciting too. You don't know how it's going to come out until you get to see it on screen. Well, I mean, and definitely, like you said, with Jack the Giant Slayer, which, you know, currently is in theaters and it's still going strong. Everybody's enjoying it. Um, you know, the, like you said, it is different with doing the motion capture and the voice work and everything like that. So when you do that and you're actually in the theater and you're sitting back and you're finally watching this final product, is it usually as you imagined it? Like when you watched Jack the Giant Slayer, were you sitting back and you're like, okay, that's exactly what I was thinking in my head? Or is it uh, totally catch you off guard? Well, a lot of it, a lot of it is how you imagined it. I mean, you get to see some of the art direction. You know, they have, uh, you know, art boards and that kind of thing to kind of show you. But you uh, didn't even know what I was going to look like <clears throat> while we were shooting it. Um, they, because they took a lot of that off of me and what I did. Um, the two guys who designed my face, are the same guys that designed uh, Gollum's face. So it's kind of cool to have two guys like that you know, coming up with the original look based on you. Um, obviously, you know, Gollum was based on Andy Serkis and what he did and, and how he looks and that kind of thing and his eyes and and um, expressions. And my character was based on me. And, it's, you know, when I look at it, I'm like, oh, I see me in there. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, <laughs> it doesn't look like me, but it, I see me in there, you know, because it's, it's literally attached to your face. Uh, from what they've captured of your face. <clears throat> so it's, and, you know, it's so much more, um, <clears throat> complete than what they could possibly do with makeup. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. Um, then of course there are so many locations and things that are shot. Anything you work on, unless you're in every scene, there are so many things that you're not privy to, um, that you finally get to see when it winds up, uh, when it winds up on camera um, and the, uh, when the whole movie's cut together. So that's always kind of cool to see what the other actors have done and to see where they shot different parts of it and that kind of thing. So that's kind of cool. Well, you know, and doing something like that and, you know, seeing your characters brought to life, I guess going down a different avenue as well, you know, going a little bit to your past, uh, how is it when you have to take over a role and mimic a voice um, like you much did for uh, Charlie Adler um, when you were uh, with uh, Tiny Toon Adventures? I guess how different is that than uh, creating a character from scratch, creating something from new, and now you have to take over a role and really nail that? Were you, uh, you know, trying to be Charlie or trying to be the character or how does that work? Well, that's hard. I mean, that's a hard thing to do because it can be hard on your voice because you're manipulating your voice to sound uh, as much like, uh, you know, somebody else as possible. It's not coming from what was in your voice to begin with. Um, so that can be hard on your voice for one thing. But um, in the case of Buster Bunny, uh, you know, I've worked with Charlie a lot, and they actually had a, a uh, uh, Tiny Toons adventure Halloween episode where Buster Bunny did the Crypt Keeper, which was kind of funny. So when Charlie uh, um, 
<clears throat> left the role to go on to do other projects and direct and stuff, um, they just immediately thought of me just because they could hear that there was a lot of that voice in my voice. So um, that was kind of fun. And, of course, just like any other acting role, you're trying to uh, nail the qualities. Uh, you know, you're trying to you interpret the qualities that the actor who originally played it did, and then you have to try to uh, reinterpret those. And sometimes you, you sometimes you get a chance to put your own mark on it, and sometimes they just want you to do as much of what the other person did as possible. It's always different. Sometimes you hope you can bring another level to it, the character, because characters evolve anyway. And if you look at the Crypt Keeper from the time we started till the time we finished, he evolved and became from more of like an introverted kind of creepy guy to a very <coughs> outwardly comedic and performer type of character over the years, which was a lot of, which was a lot of fun to develop. So, um, you know, it's a good question, but it's, you know, it's different in every case. But in that case, of course, it was, uh, trying to, uh, nail a great performance, uh, you know, trying to relive a great performance that Charlie Adler gave. Um, and, uh, you know, they seemed to be happy because they kept hiring me, but, um, certainly, uh, uh, I had the luxury of having Charlie, uh, who's a great, a great actor and great voice actor put his mark on it. And um, so he had, he had done a lot of the work for me in terms of that, that particular character. Well, and like you said, you know, characters evolve and they change. And, you know, that's also true for franchises, which also brings me to the Smurfs. And, you know, the Smurf franchise, which now has... Uh, evolved into its own uh, mega monster, I guess, and, you know, doing crazy Smurf. And, of course, there's a new Smurfs movie uh, uh, coming up as well. And, uh, you know, you're involved with uh, both of them, of course. So I guess how is it uh, tackling your uh, inner blue being? <laughs> well, it's funny because when I was a kid, I mean, I was already I was already old enough that the Smurfs was too young for me when it came out, you know, in terms of the material. Um, and, uh, you know, that... That animation at that time, you know, Scooby-Doo and all those kind of things were, were great stories and great shows, obviously, and they, they stuck with the generation that loved them. Uh, but for me, because I grew up with the Warner Brothers characters in Disney, um, the animation was so good, um, you know, through those things, that that kind of television flat animation um, uh, wasn't something that attracted me to the project, you know. Um, uh, the, the stories, obviously, you know, I would watch them occasionally because the stories were fun and great. So it's really great now with today's technology to see how much you can enliven the Smurfs um, because they are such great characters that cre they created from the get-go from back then. And now um, to bring those same characters to life with today's technology is a pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing opportunity. And... Um, Obviously, the first movie was great. Hank Azaria was great. All the all the live action actors were great, but the characters just came to life so well. And um, this one, of course, I'm sure will be just as just as good, as good if not uh, better. So um, we're very excited about that project. I mean, did you expect uh, the films? I mean, it's a broad question, but did you expect them to take off as well as they did with today's generation? Um, you know, it's hard to say. It's always a surprise. You you always think that you're you know you're onto something, um, and sometimes you you come out with a big project and and you're like everybody's gonna love this. It's so good, and then it is good, but for some reason, it, it you know it, it doesn't get to the right audience, not marketed to the right audience, or 
Um, it just wasn't the kind of thing that wanted people to run to the movies to see or, um, it was sometimes it's even releasing it at the wrong time of year. Um, you know, the movies that they've released through the, through the, uh, late winter here in March, um, even the ones that have done really well, like our movie and, and, and Oz and movies like that, haven't gotten the numbers that they would, would have gotten if they had released in the middle of the summer when kids are afraid to go with their families to the movies. You know, people are doing their taxes right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, you know, they're not, they're not taking kids to the movies. So, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of things that affect the success of a movie, but I was really happy to see that the Smurfs, that people, um, <clears throat> that generations of, of people that loved the Smurfs to begin with were, were on board to watch, to see what, what they did with it. And of course, um, stuff like Monsters, Monsters Inc. and, and Monsters University, uh, um, are a new generation of that kind of thing that, um, already are taken to the, uh, to the, to the next limit. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a little bit of allergies going on. But, um, you know, I'll be excited to see down the road how some of these projects that were brought out for kids today translate later on. I mean, you know, the technology is so good now. What are we going to do later? Are we going to be able to uh, bring them, you know, are we going to have like walking, talking versions of it that the kids can take home with them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, virtual versions. I have my own virtual mic. <laughs> I got my own little got my own little monster. I was going to say, you never know anymore, uh, Just especially when you look at Universal and items like that where they have the, the Transformers wandering the parks. I mean, it's amazing what they can do nowadays. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, uh, we've asked our listeners, of course, what did they want to learn more about, of course, with you and whatnot. And uh, one of them, of course, was getting back to the Crypt Keeper. we got tons of Crypt Keeper questions, but we're going to narrow it down to this one. How was it actually singing as the Crypt Keeper for the infamous cult classic Christmas album? Oh, gosh. <clears throat> First of all, I have to say, out of all the things we did outside of the show, I mean, the show was always fun to do. We always had a great time doing the show. But in terms of, like, things that they did, in terms of um, toys or, you know, little outside projects that we did for Tales from the Crypt, I think the Christmas... The, the Christmas album is probably my favorite. I just thought, thought it was so great to take, um, you know, classic Christmas tunes, you know, the, the non-religious ones. Um, no, to, never, we didn't, uh, didn't want to go in there and offend anybody with, uh, with religious songs. That, that would just be the wrong thing, wrong flavor for this, this kind of thing. But, um, you know, to take all the fun of Christmas music and have the Crypt Keepers sing them in some, Fun, creepy, ghoulish way. I had a friend who was a doctor. He used to play it, you know, plays it in the OR at Christmas time while he's uh, operating. <laughs> operating, um, and they, I mean, they flew off the shelf. I, I, they they need to re-release that album because uh, people you can't get copies of it. I think you could buy a copy on eBay for like thirty six to sixty bucks or something because they're, they're just not available. Um, but it was it. It, it was just so well done, and the, the guys that put it together, and the guys that wrote all the lyrics, and of course, I showed up, and and they they kind of let me fly with it and make up some of my own fun stuff along with it, and um, uh, they had already had the, the music tracks down, and, and let me do all those little intros and fun little, uh, put my spin on it, and coming from theater and doing 
Broadway and off-Broadway musical theater and that kind of thing. It was, it was in my wheelhouse. So, um, uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a, there's a fun fascination with the mixture of horror and Christmas for some reason. When I ask fans, what's your favorite Tales from the Crypt episode? Um, I mean, I get a variety of, of answers, but the one that comes up the most is, is the Bob Zemeckis episode, All Through the House, which is about the, you know, the guy that escapes from the, from the, from the insane asylum and, um, and dresses up like Santa Claus and terrorizes the house. <laughs> and I don't know what that is. I guess it's taking one iconic character and, and turning him into another iconic, scary character that makes it fun for everybody. Because the idea that, that we would we allow Santa Claus to come down our chimney into our house and, um, <clears throat> you know, put presents under the tree. And the fact that that could turn into a creepy nightmare of the guy being, in, you know, uh, Santa Claus not being Santa Claus, but being a demented serial killer would be <laughs> it's kind of a, a crazy and fun idea. Um, and so I, you know, there's some, there's some kind of fun thing to that. that people will obviously resp- have responded to it. And, uh, um, and, uh, I'm glad they did because I said I did as well. And I thought, I thought it was a lot. I think it's a lot of fun, that album. Definitely. I mean, it is one of those albums where you had to get it when you had the chance. And, you know, we had a, we had the pleasure here at the studio to get it when it was in first run back a long time ago, but it, it's a great fun album. I mean, it has some great stuff. Um, you know, great lyrics. I mean, uh, the Deck the Halls take is definitely the greatest, and uh, I do love... Deck love the Halls with parts of Charlie. <laughs> la, 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 la. Uh, they're, they're, uh, oh, title great. bomb, oh, title bomb, you didn't bomb my dad and mom. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you know, I guess uh, one more question from our listeners, of course, is when, aside from just doing actual voices, getting back to, like, Pocahontas and, and items like Miko, um, you know, doing animals and things like that, how taxing is it, how hard is it to pull off the believability and the, I guess, realistic sounds uh, that, you know, people are looking for? I mean, how is the studio time in there and, you know, trying to make these little pops and hisses and whistles and chewing noises? And uh, how hard is that uh, to create as a voice actor? Well, it's it's challenging um, it's challenging because it, it is asking you to go there. Um, you know, you try to get as much information as you can from the uh, animators and the people involved so that they have a very distinct idea sometimes of what they want it to be. And so you're bringing uh, life to what's what they, they've already visualized it to be. But more times than not, they're taking it off your performance. So... Um, once you got a, a sense, once you have a sense of um, of what it what it's what the sh- the movie or the, the the project is, and they've hired you to bring your energy to it. Um, in fact, they're in very often videotaping you and using the way you move and stuff in the characters. I know they did that with Miko. Um, you know, I would describe how the raccoons in my neighborhood and stuff move and, and move kind of like that and stuff and do little funny, uh, um, takes on it and they would videotape it and it would come out in the character, um, which was a lot of fun. <clears throat> so it's, uh, you know, it can be difficult in, in you know, in ter- challenging, let's say challenging in terms of that, but that's, that's what makes it fun, you know, for somebody like me. I think the ability to, um, you know, to own it, to step in front of it, feel confident and know that, uh, that, you know, you know where it's going and 
to make some solid choices and, and go with it makes everybody feel comfortable with the choices and they can always you know it's filmmaking you can always go back and capture some other stuff and, and do some other takes on it if it's not what they wind up wanting to use you know so that's great but as long as you're you know going down the right path you know every it makes everybody happy and plus you're having a good time doing it Definitely. All right. Well, you know, I don't want to keep you too much longer. You know, we know you're a busy guy and always trying to, you know, always on the go, lots of, lots of work to do, but you know, um, you know, with all the, all the projects you have, Jack the Giant Slayer out in theaters right now, you have upcoming projects like Monster U, Smurfs, um, you know, being part of Metal Gear Rising. I mean, so many things on the horizon. Um, I guess, is there any final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave from, you know, John, for all of your fans out there and all of our listeners that, uh, you know, uh, I guess something you can leave with them. So that way it's going to leave that one last impressionable mark. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, life short, uh, you know, uh, as an, uh, going down a path where I chose to follow my dreams, even at, even at the cost of maybe not getting them was what made the difference in my life. I mean, you know, um, not everybody <clears throat> needs to go down a path of chasing a dream that, you know, at the cost of not getting it. So, cause so, so often people don't get them. Um, some people are, you know, um, their life, they like their life a little simpler. They like to have a steady work and, um, and, uh, and, and, give themselves the opportunity to live their dreams because they're making a living at it. Um, for me, I didn't have a lot of other talents and there was a lot of things that were challenging for me in terms of doing other kinds of work. So I was just blessed to, to, to have the talent to uh, be born with the talent to be able to develop that and, and make a career out of it. I'm certainly grateful for that. Of course, the crypt keeper would, would say, be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> she was the daughter of a chief. She has her mother's spirit. She goes wherever the wind takes her. Come down here! And she lived a life of freedom. No! Not that way! Watch out! Come on, lads! Steady on your course! He was an explorer. Searching for adventure in a new land. Come on, man. We didn't come all this way just to look at it. Let us hope they do not intend to stay. I'm counting on you to make sure those heathens don't disrupt our mission. I... I... I made it myself. But though their worlds were very different... These pale visitors are strange to us. No one is to go near them. Their destinies were one. From Walt Disney Pictures comes the story of an American legend. Who are you? Pocahontas. Come run the hidden pine trails of the forest. Come taste the sun-sweet berries of the earth. Come roll in all the riches all around you. And for once, never wonder what they're worth. Hello, John Smith. The tree is talking to me. Then you should talk back. He's handsome, too. Oh, I like her. She believed in her dreams. Wokeworm has asked to seek your hand in marriage. I think my dream is pointing me down another path. Followed her heart. What are you doing here? I had to see you again. You'll be turning your back on your own people. I can't believe you. And found a love that changed the world. Let the spirits of the earth guide you. I love him, Father. Bravo! On June 23rd, 
Disney presents its all-new 33rd full-length animated motion picture. With music by Academy Award winner Alan Menken and lyrics by award winning lyricist Stephen Schwartz. And you'll never hear the wolf cry to the blue horn moon, but whether we are white or copper skinned. This summer, experience the adventure. Pocahontas.
Jason's of the world. Tis I, Darkwing Duck. Yes, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. But don't be afraid. I've got your back. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC-82. Greetings, D-Heads. It is I, Jason, and welcome back to the vault. I'm extremely excited to know who's exactly upstairs in the Disney On Demand studios. John Kassir. Yes, the Crypt Keeper. I've invited him down here, and I thought he might enjoy the cool, damp areas that I have, but apparently I don't involve enough cobwebs, torches, and or other gruesome delights that he sees in his crypt. I mean, vault. Or wherever he goes. Anyway... I'm really glad that you joined me this week because I'm very fortunate to give you a little delight into what John Kassir did for Disney. Yes, he did supply some voices for some Disney animated shorts, films, and television shows. But today I'm very fortunate to give to you our review of the 1995 original Disney animated classic Pocahontas and wait until you hear or see who John Kassir plays. Now children, open your textbooks for today's history lesson. I'll be honest, the story we're about to talk about is Disney's first animated film to be based upon known history as well as its original folklore. Is this how it really happened back in 1607? More than likely not, but it does make for a very beautiful story. And artistically, I mean beautiful. So we start our tale out on the high seas, championing our fair vessel, Captain John Smith. His mission? To sail to the New World from England. His crew? British settlers headed for the Virginia Company. Governor Ratcliffe, bringing our dear friend David Ogden Stairs back to the Disney magic, he's around here every time we look in the vault, is among the travelers. This trip is no cruise on the love boat, and that's not the reason for Ratcliffe to be headed back to the new land. He has ulterior motives. He has heard the new world has an excess supply of gold that is ripe for his taking. Julie, the cruise director, didn't expect the storm that greets our happy ship. The tossing and turning knocks Thomas, played by a pre-Batman and post-Newsies Christian Bale, over the edge. Being the valiant man that Mel Gibson, I mean John Smith is, he dives headfirst into the cold Atlantic waters and saves his crew member. Meanwhile, on dry land, we are introduced to the Powhatan tribe and the first American Disney princess, Pocahontas. In an era of farming and evading bear attacks, what is the daughter of Chief Powhatan to worry about? She's worried about the inevitable wedding between her and the warrior Cocohan. Why so? Well, Pocahontas is a free spirit, a girl of free thought and imagination. In other words, she's a pioneering belle, minus the books and more on the deerskin. Prior to leaving the camp to clear her thoughts with her friends Flip the Hummingbird and Miko the Raccoon, voiced by our new D-head and guest John Kassir, and yes, I told you it would be a surprise, her father gives her a necklace, a necklace that once belonged to her mother. In a spirited ride through Virginia's big backyard, Pocahontas arrives at the Glen of Grandmother Willow, the prophetic, wise, talking willow tree. She describes a dream she foresees for our heroine, a dream that contains a spinning arrow 
and will lead her somewhere just around the riverbend and the presence of others, that being the men of the Virginia Company. No sooner has the boat been docked and the first steps taken off the ship, Governor Ratcliffe builds his own settlement and swiftly names it Jamestown. Rather than take the grand tour or wipe down with a nice warm towel, he orders the men to begin digging for gold that is absolutely, honestly his. Well, not really, it's really the lands, but that goes into a whole other story. John Smith has plans of his own when it comes to visiting the New World. He quickly departs to explore a new wilderness, a land that he can tame, a land that he can claim. While on his outing, Pocahontas catches a glimpse of John Smith and closely follows. As fate would have it, they meet. After a few moments together, their curiosity for each other's differences, she being a Native American princess, he being an English hunter, soon becomes infatuation that turns into love. One small problem, Smith's men and the Powhatan men don't actually get along so well, and Chief Powhatan orders his daughter to stay away from Smith. So what does any girl of that age do when her father tells her no? She does the opposite. Eventually, she takes him to meet Grandmother Willow. It is during this date that Nakoma, Pocahontas' most trusted human friend, feels obligated to tell Kokowam that there's competition for the hand of the maiden. In the same vein of Nakoma, young Thomas, you remember Thomas, the nearly drowned sailor at the beginning of our tale, starts to follow John Smith. Now both hunters, Kokowam and Thomas, are out searching the forest for our brand new couple. In separate sections of the forest, Thomas and Kokowam catch our lovebirds K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Jealous and enraged, Kokowam attacks John Smith. Protective and assertive, Thomas pounces on Kokowam, killing him. John Smith is then captured. Upon hearing of the events in the forest, Chief Powhatan declares war on John Smith's people and orders John Smith to be executed by sunrise. Frightened, Thomas runs back to Jamestown to warn Ratcliffe of the upcoming battle and Smith's capture. Not to have anything taken away from him, Ratcliffe prepares his men for war. His rationale for war rather than peace? Take the tribe's land to gain all the gold they hold. Running to the only place she feels safe and knows she'll get answers, she heads to Grandmother Willow. Scared and full of guilt, Pocahontas begins to question if she ever understood the dream. It is there that Miko, who has a little problem with taking things that aren't exactly his, sounds like another man who owns a certain settlement down the road, hands Pocahontas a compass that belongs to John Smith. Seeing the spinning arrow of the compass, she knows she's on the right path in life and knows she's destined to be with John Smith. With every animal spirit backing her, she rushes back to camp, knowing she must stop the drums of war. Just as the axe is about to fall, Pocahontas shields Smith with her own life, successfully stopping the war and starting the first New World Peace Talks. Hooray! What a great way to end the story! Not so! That's until Radcliffe tries one last trick up his sleeve to have it all. He pulls out a pistol to shoot Chief Powhatan. This time, it is John Smith who acts as the human shield, taking the bullet for the chief. It is through Smith's actions that the chief sees some good in these new people. Smith's men arrest the governor and place him on the next boat back to England. Also on the boat is an injured John Smith. What does this mean for our lovers? Well, I can tell you that Chief Powhatan has given his blessing for Smith to return one day. As for Pocahontas, she's ready to paint the world with the colors of the wind from the love in her heart.
It is these desires that lead us to the direct-to-DVD sequel, which we will discuss some other time. It's hard to believe that this film was out back in 1995. It was unfortunately considered the last film in the Golden Disney era, started back in 1989. However, it does bring some great, wonderful memories, as well as a beautiful dual-disc, Blu-ray, and DVD that just recently came out. Back in 2005, there was also a re-release of the DVD for its 10th anniversary. But what makes this special? Well, of course, it's a dual disc. So not only will you receive Pocahontas, but you will also receive Pocahontas 2, which is a new telling of what happens actually after Pocahontas gets over to the New World in England. Is it exactly what happened? More than likely not, but it still makes for a wonderful new story. So once you pop this Blu-ray in, what are you going to receive? Well, this release is very low when it comes to added features on the Blu-ray. There is an audio commentary track with producer James Pentecost, and he is joined by co-directors Eric Goldberg and Mike Gabriel. They spend most of the time talking about the controversy surrounding the movie and how much people weren't too impressed with its historical accuracy. They then try to support the film as best they can. They discuss why they changed around historical facts to suit the fictional tale of the story. And it does make sense once you watch it. Another feature, Drawing Inspiration, The Lost Story of Hiawatha. It's a, it is in HD and it's about 12 minutes long. Eric Goldberg joins us again by animator historian Charles Solomon as they present an animated sequence from Walt Disney called Hiawatha. If you haven't seen it, Wait down towards the end, you do get that within the disc. Goldberg and Solomon discuss the storyboards of a Disney film that was never made. So what you're going to see is later in down here, you'll get the animated short called Little Hiawatha, which was a silly symphony short back from 1937. It's about nine minutes long. But what you're going to get with this drawing inspiration, this 12 minute documentary, so to speak, is the actual story of Hiawatha that was supposed to be made when Uncle Walt felt an American tale was to be told. Of course, my favorite extra in this is the deleted song. It's the song If I Never Knew You, which comes complete with an optional commentary by Goldberg, Gabriel, and Pentecost. I love this song. I wish this portion would have not been taken out. Uh, once you see it, you'll understand some of the undertones in the music that are gently woven throughout the entire story. Another feature, the music of Pocahontas, a brief look at the music in the movie. This would have been another Menken and Ashman film when it comes to the music, but due to Howard Ashman's death, Alan Menken was left alone to finish the film. This is where our other friend, Stephen Schwartz, drops in. Stephen Schwartz, of course, later goes on to, f to score and help other films, namely last week's show, Hunchback of Notre Dame. There are nine separate storyboard scenes that have, are deleted. It's about 15 minutes, caught in standard definition. There is one other HD bonus that is kind of your draw to buy it in HD, if you haven't already, other than for the gorgeous colors and the beauty that this film produces. Uh, there's a BD Live extra bonus feature in there that goes into the Disney Virtual Vault. It's kind of like peeping into the vault here, but just a little more high tech. So, if you haven't done so already, go out, pick up the dual pack on Blu-ray right now of Pocahontas and Pocahontas 2. You won't be disappointed. It's interesting, again, to look at a film like Pocahontas. 
here we are, 18 years later, still discussing this new tale that has ushered in many great things. So again, go out, pick up this film, enjoy it on a great weekend, or just any time. You're not going to be disappointed, and it will be a perfect addition to your Disney collection. Well, the popcorn's empty and the curtain's coming down. It can only mean one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. But fear not, my friends. We will be back bringing you great Disney memories and moments here from the vault. So until then, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. No! Wait! Please! Don't run off. It's all right. I'm not going to hurt you. Here, let me help you out of there. Madakwe Naturat. You don't understand a word I'm saying, do you? It's all right. In the good old summertime, in the good old summertime, strolling down the shady lane with your baby mine, you'll hold her hand and she'll hold yours. That's a very good sign that she's your tootsie wootsie in the good old summertime. Parade. Hi, I'm Robbie Benson, and we're having a great time here, right? Yeah! Right. We have lots more parade coming your way, but right now you're in for a very special treat. One of America's most beautiful heroines and a personal favorite of mine is the lovely Belle from Beauty and the Beast. She's coming down Main Street. She's right here. You look lovelier than ever today, Belle. She's with me. <laughs> uh, sorry, pal, but you're gonna have to find yourself your own date because Belle promised this dance to me. Right. Lady. He's kind of a feisty fella, ain't he? May I please have this dance? Well, since you asked so nicely, it's okay with me, Belle? I can't believe it. 
It's Disney Blues. Disney on demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Well, I'm back once again, all VD heads, and I hope you enjoyed this fantastic Easter edition here at Disney On Demand for show number 35. We've had a blast here. I love watching all the old, classic Disney parades like that. I mean, I wish they would bring back televising many more parades than just that Disney Parks thing that they're doing lately. I'm just not a fan of it. It's too made up. It just doesn't have that same feel as when they would cover the entire parade throughout the entire show. The Disney Parks, the Christmas... It's just not the same anymore, but you know, I hope you remember seeing these on the air, seeing them uh, throughout 19, what, 90, throughout what, 1988 all the way through 1995 or 6, I believe, when was the last one that they televised. Yeah, 1998, I think, was the last one when they had uh, Animal Kingdom, the grand opening. So, you know, I hope you enjoyed it. It's fun. It, it just, it's helped celebrate Easter. So, as you're sitting there, you're making the memories with your families this weekend. Your hands are getting all full of uh, dye as you're coloring these Easter eggs, waiting for the Easter bunny to come to town. I want to thank you once again for stopping in here for show number 35 here at Disney On Demand. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the horror icon, the Disney legend, and the wonderful voice actor, John Kassir, for stopping in here once again. Thank you again, John, for taking some time out of your busy schedule and talking to all of us here at the show, talking about your latest films, including the Smurfs, Jack the Giant Slayer, being part of classic films like Pocahontas and the iconic Crypt Keeper. Thank you once again, John, for stopping in. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Lexi and Jason, who made their appearance once again here this week. That's right, there is all kinds of fun from the D-team, and without them, you'd have to listen to me ramble throughout the entire show, and come on, nobody wants to hear all of that. So thank you guys for stopping in. We would not be Disney On Demand if it wasn't for the D-team. Thank you once again for stopping in and making more fun and more magic for all of our listeners. And most of all, I want to thank all of you, the D-heads out there. You guys make the show. You are the reason we come back and bring these shows to you and bring all the magic, the memories, and your appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. So above everything else, thank you, the D-heads, for tuning in and making it all happen. So all of you D-heads out there, there's all kinds of fun and all kinds of things as we gear up for the next show here next week here at Disney On Demand. So before I let you go, I do want to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Com. There you can find our full list of past shows, our archives of all 35 shows. You can also read our current blogs and more, including our famous Flash Player, our Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can listen to over 300 plus parades, television shows, specials, movies, and more from the Walt Disney Catalog right there on our homepage. So definitely check it out at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also find us all over the web on places like Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand, and you can friend us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can also find us on Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, and many other social outlets at Disney Blue, and you can also contact us directly through our Magical Memories hotline found right there on the website, where you can leave voicemail, shoutouts, and more, and hear yourself here on the show, or you can always drop us a line at DizRadio at gmail.com. And remember, you can always find all of these right there on our homepage at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. And finally, you can always listen to us on your smartphone and mobile device. You can always get our 100% absolutely free iPhone app. Just search DizRadio, all one word, right there in the app store 
or you can also download the Stitcher Radio app and listen to us right there on your Droid or other mobile devices. So all of you D-heads, I'm getting ready to head out and make those memories with my family for this Easter. All four kids are waiting for the Easter Bunny to come to town. I hope you enjoyed our Easter edition here at the show this week, and we are gearing up next week for another very special guest. A great show as we're going to head down memory lane. So I'm going to stop my ramble and let you go. And as always, you know, it's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. There's a lot of great things coming ahead. And this weekend, this Easter weekend, make those memories happen. Whether it's with your loved ones, your families, your best friends, make the memories happen. And never feel you're too old to hide an Easter basket, die an Easter egg, or just make some fun. Make those memories. And remember, as always... Never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, I will see you online. you for tuning in to Disney Blues Disney on Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.